Um, you know, it comes down to you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you have to assume that everything is wrong and that you hope everything will end up being right at the end from your perspective. Because you've developed a business plan, you, you hopefully are working on what we would consider a minimal viable product. Um, you've identified a product market fit. But to do these things, it's a lot harder than people think sometimes. You know, it sounds easy and logical, but it's a lot harder than people think. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups to seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with uh, patents and trademarks. And uh, today on the podcast, we have another great episode, Boris Bloom, and uh, he uh, is a bit of a background on him. So he spent quite a bit of his, uh, the beginning of his uh, career in the financial service industry. So he did that for quite some time, um, grew that, gained some uh, success and got some uh, credentials as well as helping some um, high net worth individuals. Um, but then found kind of as after working there for quite a period of time that uh, maybe the, the services and the focus of the industry weren't uh, quite aligning with a lot of what was necessarily best for the clients. So we made uh, a bit of a pivot, um, did some other things for a period of time. Uh, also went into crisis management, came out of crisis management, did some digital marketing and uh, went back into crisis management. So there's the, the very brief overview of uh, Boris, but welcome to the podcast, Boris. Thank you, Devin. I appreciate you having me and I'm looking forward to our chat today. So I gave maybe a very high level or quick overview of a kind of uh, a much longer story or much longer journey, but maybe if you want to walk everybody through in a bit more detail, kind of what your journey is and uh, what brought you to where you're at today. Sure. I spent um, most of my career really working with entrepreneurs and high net worth business people. Um, and uh, many of these uh, individuals, uh, I realized while I was working in the financial services space that the majority of their wealth was really not tied in and financial liquid products like uh, stocks and bonds and mutual funds, but it was tied up in their business. And, um, you know, what things that they were concerned about were taxes and asset protection and risk mitigation type strategies. And so I focused in on those elements um, in my practice. And as I uh, started to develop these relationships with entrepreneurs, I found a real passion for working with these innovative people and the, the types of uh, businesses that they were developing. And uh, I ended up uh, by sheer chance out of what happened in the 2008 financial collapse, working with business owners around crisis management. And it was a uh, phenomenal situation. I really enjoyed uh, working with the business people and solving their challenges for them. And uh, it was a great thing to do, but you know, people have short memories and by 2016, it wasn't well, I'm gonna, really- uh, I'm gonna jump in just cause you, you, you sure. jumped like 20 years of your career in like two seconds. So we'll dive into that just a bit deeper. Sure. You're in the financial service industry. I think when we talked a little bit before about the podcast, it was from like 94 to 2010. Is that about right? That's about right. Yep. Till about 2010. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you did That's that correct. for, you know, what was what, 16 plus years. And so what was, uh, you know, so obviously you had the experience, had some of the background, and then you jumped over to, you know, what was, and they, but I think as we talked about before, you know, 2000, kind of towards the 2010, you figured that, you know, the, maybe the, whether it was 
waking up to the industry or the industry shifting or going in a different direction, but what kind of, what was a tipping point or what kind of made you to say that, you know, in 2010, Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm going to go do something different. Yeah, no, I think it really came down to a cultural thing. Um, The industry is all built around products. It's built around whether it be insurance products or investment products. And I just didn't see myself as a product pusher. I wanted to be a problem solver for people. I wanted to really get away from the product side of things. And so the more I drifted into the space of uh, being an investment advisor and set up my own individual RIA and and an insurance brokerage company and all of these things, I kept coming back to the same thing, that there were limitations around the products, that the industry was building products for average folks. And the clients that I had were fairly sophisticated and high net worth, and they were looking for something a little different. Um, and plus the majority of their wealth was tied up in their businesses. It was tied up in other illiquid assets, uh, which they were much more concerned about, especially in 2008, nine and 10 timeframes. Uh, than they were about the stocks and bond portfolio, which was maybe 10% of their whole net worth. Hmm. So that really was the impetus for me to shift my focus away from financial services traditionally and work with business owners around these challenges and, and how I got into crisis management. So you, so you had a bit of that realization. So I said, okay, you know, it feels like the industry is not, you know, and I don't know, don't want to be critical of the industry. I think there are a lot of good people in that industry, but you're saying as an industry, hey, a lot of people are really more focusing on the products as opposed to what, you know, what may make the most sense for the individual. So then, you know, so how did you then say, okay, with that realization, with the desire to change that, how did you then, you know, how did you decide what, how did you decide what shift to make or how you're going to adjust or do something different? Well, a lot of it actually just came by by chance. It wasn't actually planned out. Um, I had made a shift out of traditional financial services and worked with one of my clients and built what's called a single family office uh, to run the financial affairs of his family. And I did that for a short period of time. And I thought that that was going to be my future. I really enjoyed uh, working with him. And I thought that that's the direction I wanted to go. But I realized after a short stint doing that, that I wasn't. Uh, fulfilled in that role. I, I was basically uh, serving a function for someone else, but I wasn't building much for myself and I wasn't really focused on uh, my passions and I, I needed to find something. And I had a friend of mine who was actually involved in the crisis management turnaround business. And he said, well, this is right up your alley. You've got a background in financial products. You, you understand the concepts here and uh, everything involved. And uh, that's what I did. I transitioned to give a shot uh, and started doing crisis management consulting. Okay. No, I, I think that, uh, that makes good sense. So you're saying, you know, see, so you, you went and did that. You, you had the friend, you know, that you went and worked with for a, a period of time, did that. And then you're saying, okay, you know, as we, you do that for a period of time, but then you said, okay, and now let's go into crisis management. So you kind of went from financial services kind of went and worked for a high net worth individual, helping them doing some of the planning and other things. So then how did you get into, how did you make the transition from, from, you know, do, or kind of adjacent industry from financial services to helping the friend to then say, now I'm going to go into crisis management. Is that a, you know, maybe that's a, a seamless transition, but how did you, you know, kind of say that's where I'm going to go or that's where I'm going to take my, uh, you know, my efforts. Well, I think it was an obvious transition for me because most of my clients happen to be 
uh, high net worth business owners and entrepreneurs. And they were all struggling with various challenges that related back to uh, the financial collapse of 2008. And so um, I just started working with them individually on trying to solve some of these things. And the more I got involved, the more I found a passion uh, for doing this kind of work and just continued on with it. And like I said, till about 2016, it was a, it was a phenomenal ride. I really enjoyed what I was doing and working with these entrepreneurs, but you know, people have short memories and people stopped really focusing on crisis anymore. And um, money was flowing pretty cheap. Uh, you know, the Fed had been printing money for a long time. Banks were lending very well. Um, and people didn't want to really talk about crisis management as much. So I trans transitioned into uh, digital marketing and e-commerce and other areas that were related to uh, sales marketing efforts and helping businesses with those efforts. Um, but uh, I really always had a passion for crisis. And, you know, lo and behold, here we are. We're in the middle of a financial crisis that's uh, based on this pandemic that we're experiencing. No, I think that makes sense. And so, so crisis management, get, maybe help me understand it a bit better. So what is crisis management or what do you do? Because it sounds like, if I were to, now I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but if I were to say, you know, it almost sounds like you really enjoyed and what your bread and butter and what you wanted to do is crisis management. That works out well when it's 2008, 2009, 2010, when people are a lot in crisis mode. When people kind of came out of crisis mode, then they felt like they didn't need crisis management as much. So that kind of opportunity went away. And then, you know, again, with, uh, you know, COVID and the pandemic, it started to come back. But maybe get an, give me an idea of what, a, a quick summary of what uh, crisis management is. Sure, absolutely. Well, crisis management usually revolves around three different things. Hmm. It is the issues that revolve around cash flow, which is the obvious one. And the other one is people and risk. Uh, those are the three areas that get impacted the most. And it's the interplay between those different areas that uh, create chaos and struggles for business owners when they're dealing with crisis situations. So um, the way that crisis management typically evolves is business owners initially don't think that they are in crisis. They think that they're going to work the situation out. Um, but as things develop and they realize that the basic austerity measures that they might have put in place to cut down expenses and, and improve their cash flow, things like that, stop working. And now they need to innovate. They need to come up with other solutions. And that's where uh, we really come into play. We're very much a strategically focused organization. We help the business owner identify what are these real challenges that they have. Uh, what are some of the resources that they can utilize to get themselves out of the predicament um, and really create leverage? Because at the end of the day, you have to grow your way out of the, the situation. It's uh, austerity is not going to get you very far. No, I, I think it makes good sense. So uh, when you say austerity, give me an idea. I think I know what the word means, but maybe give me a bit of a better understanding. What does that mean? Yeah, so I mean, basically all crisis situations revolve around um, an impairment of cash flow, right? Companies have uh, more expenses going out and income coming in, or at least their margins have been compressed significantly. And so that stress on the cash flow um, makes them have to make changes and decisions around how they will uh, deploy their cap capital and whether they'll continue to invest in the same levels into sales and marketing activity or uh, operations. 
uh, whether they are able to sustain the uh, level of human resources uh, that, or, or human capital, I should say, that's involved in the organization. So layoffs are obviously are very common uh, when you are in a crisis mode, but decisions that are, need to be made around the people aspects and around the cash flow aspects are really, really critical to the long-term success of the organization. It's not just about survival, it's about thriving. And these organizations need to, at some point, thrive. And for that to occur, they have to get away from the austerity, as I call it, which is cutting expenses and cutting, um, you know, uh, everything related, basically, to the outflow of capital. And, and a lot of times, I don't want it to sound like it's just purely a cash-in, cash-out situation. Most of these organizations have a balance sheet issue. Uh, and what I mean by that is they have capital that they've built up um, over the years, or they have a funding mechanism where they have, uh, especially with startups, a Series A funding, or maybe they've got an angel investor, somebody that's funding that operation. And usually when crisis happens, it's happening to everybody. So their funding tends to basically dry up. And that becomes a real, real challenge for them. So even if their cash flow is um, significant enough that it can sustain them in the short term, um, they don't have the runway that they had before and they don't have the capital to be able to really leverage their situation and grow the company the way that they need to. And you know, obviously if, if they don't have, if they have negative cash flow, they have a real problem because they may not survive. Okay, no, I, I that that makes sense. So one question that at slight a tangent, but you know, I think it, it's relevant. So because we talked, you talked about crisis management, and you know, I, I assume that you're not the only one that's ever done crisis management. But as you kind of you did it in 2008 through 2010 or 2000, you know, after that for a period of time, and then you went into digital marketing, and then are back in crisis management. Is that indicative? You know, so looking now, so you do you're kind of focusing on crisis management yet again. You know, is that, is it really that you can only make a career or company around it based on when, you know, there's a, a big upset in the marketplace or when the funding dries up or is it their ability to, you know, if you're looking at how do I build this startup or what's my next 12 months or 18 months or two years of prospect, you know, kind of learning your lessons of, you know, what you've done before and how you've navigated and pivoted is the intent to kind of build a you know, a long-term thing? Is it one where you, you have to do it on timing or how do you see building a, a business around that if the market picks up and does well again? Sure. No, I think that's a great question. And in fact, um, when I started looking at the current situation, trying to identify what the business model would be like, the first question I posed to myself is what did I do when I did this the first time around in 2010 through 2016 uh, what worked and what didn't work? You know, what were the challenges around deploying crisis management? And there are a couple challenges that are very significant, and I wanted to change that dynamic this time around. The first challenge that really um, makes a lot of difference is the fact that everybody is in crisis at the same time. So all of the clients around us are uh, having a certain level of distress, and because that is ha all happening at the same time, you have no way to really triage the situation. Some clients are going to survive and some will thrive and others are gonna fail. And so uh, from a business standpoint, if you're doing consulting, one-on-one -on -one consulting, you obviously need to be working with clients 
that uh, you can help and that can afford your services and are gonna be in business to pay you. Um, so that is uh, certainly a challenge in some cases. So that was one of the things I wanted to change. I needed a model that could um, really be a triage model and be able to identify which companies are saleable and which are not. So uh, that is one of the things that my new company, my CEO does, is we have this uh, program. It's, there's a level one program, level two program, as we call it. And both of these programs are designed to help the business owner identify what are the challenges, what are the struggles that they're experiencing today, what are resources and tools that they need to get themselves out of the situation. Now, we do this over a period of time. So we get to understand what those challenges are and help the business owner kind of devise a strategy to get out of their current predicament and circumstance. Um, so that is the difference. And that's how we were able to devise this triage model. But um, the other factor that was different. Um, I'm going to jump. I, we've got oh, sure. a, just a, a, a bit of a slow internet connection. So I'm just going to pause it. Is there anything I think? All right, so for everybody that's joining back, we push pause just uh, we're, as, as everybody, if this is uh, recorded during the period of the, the pandemic or COVID, everybody seems to be on the internet and uh, slowly get all down or boggy. And so it's getting a bit uh, jittery or slow. So I think we both have it resolved and we'll uh, go back to it and uh, jump back into the conversation. But that's, or hence you'll see that there's a bit of a pause here, a bit of a, a reset. So you were talking about, and, and just to wind up or rewind just a little bit, about you know if you're in a if you're in a if you're in a crisis if there's a crisis across the whole world or across the whole you know the whole you know or financial industry or money's drying up on that everybody's going to be thinking of crisis mode but then you're saying hey if i'm going to learn kind of what i did wrong you know learn from my mistakes in the past or how to improve or whatnot what does that look like or how does it you know how do i make a sustainable business so even when that's in you know, times that aren't in a financial crisis or the whole world's not kind of falling apart type of thing, I can make a sustainable business. So maybe if you want to kind of recap or summarize kind of what or the, a bit of that discussion to have and uh, we can pick up from there. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the whole idea was to create a situation where we could triage the client's circumstance. We could really identify what their challenges and issues were and what tools and resources they need to kind of uh, find a way to thrive in this environment. Uh, what's important to recognize is there are a lot of companies that have been built um, in a crisis time frame. You know, we look at Amazon and Uber and all of these companies that we know very well today as uh, just incredible success stories. A lot of them all came out of a time of crisis. And so um, it's not that crisis is an impediment to companies growing. It's just you have to have a strategy to be able to adapt and adjust in that environment. But um, my belief is that if you can 3X in crisis, for example, you should be able to 10X when you get out of crisis. And that is really the principle behind the programs that we've developed. It's mm. all about being able to triage the situation while you're in crisis and put yourself into a position where you can thrive so that the moment the world kind of opens up and things free up, you can take advantage of those things and your business is basically on steroids at that point. So that is what we try to accomplish with the two levels of programs that we have, the level one and level two, uh, depending what's fit for the client. The other thing that's um, different about our approach is that we, we don't do one-on-one -on -one consulting with companies until they've gone through this process because we come to find out that a lot of them will 
um, use the program to self-discover what are their challenges. They'll find out for themselves that, you know, I don't think my company is savable or I don't have the resources or the energy or what it's going to take to make this company thrive in this environment. Mm. And then we can help them in a different way. We have what's called a liquidation team. We have a team of people that we can refer them to that can give them, in essence, a soft landing if that is truly the way that they believe the future looks like for their company. Uh, but we hope that that's not the case, obviously. We hope that this is a company that can thrive and find a way to position themselves correctly. And that's, that's where we come into play because the idea is we can help them devise that strategy. We can work with them on an ongoing basis. And when the crisis is over, uh, that's when you really see the benefits of the work that we've put in. Okay, and, and maybe you, you, and you're the expert, what it, a lot of the things that you kind of described there, it almost sounds like it's really, even when you're not in crisis mode, it still have a, a lot of, you know, benefits to the company, me, you know, because part of the problem is, is crisis reveals a lot of chinks in the armor, right? In the sense that you may already have those chinks, but when the, you know, when the, in when the, whole economy is doing well and business is all doing well, you know, it, it, they get overlooked or they, you know, they, they, they don't, they don't present themselves as an example. If you're really bad at cash flow management, if you have a whole lot of recounts receivable that you're always waiting to get paid in 60, 90, whatever day terms. And so now you're always waiting and you don't ever have enough money to flow or to have a cash flow. Then even times are good. You can, you can supplement that because you have enough paying clients when times are bad, you can't as an example. So it seems like a lot of the things that you'd be doing in crisis management, almost as you said, would be good. Even if they weren't in crisis, people just tend to focus on them when things aren't, when you have to, because things are going badly enough that now you have to focus on the things you already should have. Is that a, a fair summary? That is a first something. In fact, that's a great um, pivot point here because what I find, one of the reasons why I really enjoy the crisis consulting field and working with clients that are going through this chaos is because they all come to the same conclusion ultimately as they know that whatever they're doing is not working and they need to change. That's the thing that crisis brings to the table. It brings this lever of people willing to do what they're uncomfortable doing in a normal time frame. So a lot of people, um, when times are not chaotic, when things are normalized and they're just getting by and things are kind of moving right along, they're reluctant to make changes, big changes, changes that are difficult for the organization to absorb, um, changes that may require uh, capital that you know, they don't want to devote. Uh, or they're afraid to put into the business for certain purposes. So there's a variety of reasons why people don't do certain things in their business when things are normal. But when crisis happens, the realization hits. I have to change what I'm doing. And that is the difference. And that's why I love working in these situations because you don't have that problem. People are willing to make changes that they know are necessary to get themselves out. Once they've made the changes, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air, you know? They they just start running with it and they see the value in what's going on. So how do you, last question, then we'll jump to my last, last questions, but no made those pivots and that, now you're looking, okay, so how do you build a company around that? So how do you help people? 
crisis reveals that and they know, okay, now I need to focus on this. But how do you kind of position yourself so even when it's not in crisis mode, the world's not burning or falling apart around you or everybody's not being laid off and those type of things, how do you get people, you know, clients or customers to realize that they still need your services? So um, if I understood the question correctly, it's, it's really two parts in my mind. The first is we need to stabilize the situation when the crisis begins and when, they, when they've come to the realization that this isn't going to change tomorrow, this is going to be with us for a while, mm. call it the new normal or whatever you want to call it, but this is the new way of them doing business, they're going to have to adapt. So once that realization sits in, we need to stabilize the situation. We need to make sure that their cash flow is solid, that their people are fully engaged and operating, and that any potential risks that may exist in their operation have been addressed. So there are always contingency plans that are in place that if something doesn't go as planned, which happens often in crisis, that they are ready to pivot. They're not trying to do it as they go. They are prepared to make changes if those changes are necessary. So I think that's the first step of the equation. And the second part of it is once we've developed a strategy for this and we've tested it, we've proven, so kind of think about startups in this context, right? They have to develop a minimal viable product. They have to understand what their product market fit is. Those are all critical elements, even for a company that is an established organization. They should have that in place. So we look at their product portfolio. They, we look at how they're generating business and developing strategies around marketing. All of these things come into play where we've built now a strategy for the future. There's a runway for the next 12 months. There's a runway for two years, three years out. And so what happens is something magical. The world kind of opens up at some point and they can see how the changes that they've made in crisis are being leveraged at that moment. And they can basically turn things on steroids. So if um, marketing strategies were working, you know, um, well, let's say in crisis, they're going to work extremely well now that we've gotten out of the crisis and they see the impacts on cash flow instantly. And when that magical moment happens, that's where they start to really leverage the value of what we've done in terms of the, the planning and the strategic focus on uh, their business. Okay. No, I think that makes good sense. So, well, as we get towards the end of the podcast, as we're wrapping things up, so I always ask two questions. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, so what was the worst business decision you ever made? Uh, that's a good question. It, and it actually revolves around um, me ignoring what, what I'll call the reality of what was happening around me at the time and kind of proceeding full steam ahead with my business. Um, and it, it's not so much about what was happening to me in the moment because everything was okay with my business directly. So I just continued to carry on. But um, this is usually the worst thing because this is when the bus hits you. This is when your assets become your biggest liabilities. Um, and in my situation, I had a strategic business partner that um, was funding the operation. And so without that capital, my business was basically done. And uh, although we had a solid business and we had solid cash flow, my strategic partner was not in the same position. And so when that dried up for them, they literally overnight turned my business into a hellhole because funding stopped. And without that cash flow, we couldn't continue the operation. Um, 
and that that was a huge problem. So um, for me, it's it, it comes down to the lesson of pay attention to what's going on, not just with you, but what's around you, and make sure that you're positioned just in case things start to impact you, that you have a way to pivot out of that. Hmm. Okay, no, I, that, that's a good lesson to learn from. So now as we jump to the second question I always ask is, so what would be the, if you're talking to someone that's just getting into startups, just getting into small businesses, what would be the number one piece of advice you'd give them? Um, you know, it comes down to you don't know what you don't know. I mean, you have to assume that everything is wrong and that you hope everything will end up being right at the end from your perspective. Because you've developed a business plan, you, you hopefully are working on what we would consider a minimal viable product. Um, you've identified a product market fit. But to do these things, it's a lot harder than people think sometimes. You know, it sounds easy and logical, but it's a lot harder than people think. And so you got to make sure that you have plenty of runway. You have the financing, um, you've got things lined up, and you don't overestimate the value of this product market fit. Um, this is something that's really key. I mean, you have to have the right product market fit and, and um, uh, you know, a minimal viable product. Uh, those are the most important things. They're more important than being first to market. I think what happens with a lot of startups is they're stressed for cash flow, they want to get their product out there, they need to start making sales, and so they rush to get the product to market. They want to be first with their idea, they want to be first to market with what they've got to offer. And sometimes being first is not that important. What, what's really important is having a solid value offering that the consumer wants. Because if you don't have the right product market fit, and you don't have that minimal viable product really honed in, being first to market's not going to help you. In fact, you know, it's like making a first impression, right? There's no way to make a, a, a another good impression if you you've failed on the first time, right? So. No, I think that that makes good sense and totally agree. So, well, as as or as people want to reach out to you, as they want to connect, if they want to use your services, they want to invest in you, they want to ask or pick your brain or anything else, or they just want to connect up and, and find out more information. What's the best way to reach out to you? What's the best way to connect? Yeah, I would say the best ways is obviously you can always email me. It's uh, very easy. It's Boris, B-O-R-I-S, at my, my-ceo.com. So just don't forget the dash, my-ceo.com. And it's Boris with one R. Or you can uh, find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, pretty accessible there. Uh, so do a search and uh, hopefully uh, we can connect. I'm always glad to talk and share with folks and uh, discuss what we're doing. All right. Well, certainly uh, for people that are looking for crisis management, they're looking for uh, uh, help and a way out and, and or they just want to uh, learn more or connect up with you, I certainly encourage them to, to reach out and email you. So, well, thank you again, Boris, for coming on. It's been fun to hear about your journey and what you guys have going on and uh, how, or how you arrived at where you're at today and wish you the next best part of your journey. Um, and for those of you that are, uh, have a great journey to tell that would also like to come on the podcast, uh, feel free to go to inventivejourneyguest.com and you can apply to be on the podcast. And if you're a listener, make sure to uh, go on, click subscribe so you can get notifications when all the new episodes come out. And lastly, if you ever need any help with uh, patents and trademarks, feel free to reach out to us at Miller IP Law. Well, Boris, thank you again for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and uh, we'll uh, uh, wish you the next uh, a good uh, good luck with the next part of your journey. 
Devin, I appreciate the time and then appreciate you uh, going through these questions with me. It's been awesome. All right. Have a good one.